You obviously know Kung Fu. What's up, Poison Clan? And for those of you who could not attend the Kung Fu Drive-In Live on Clubhouse, fret not, because I got you, fam, I got you. This episode is the audio from that live event, which was a great time filled with some very cool insights from the making of the film. Director Bao Tran, producer Yuji Okamoto, and action designer Ken Kitagua took us through the ups and downs of a decade-long journey to bring the Paper Tigers to the big screen. We also got a visit from producers Michael Velasquez and Alan Duong to add some more flavor to the mix. Now, I do have to warn you, I had some audio leveling issues with the first five minutes of this episode, so I need you to bear with me through that, because after that, the audio is smooth sailing and there are plenty of laughs to be had. Without further ado, Paper Tigers on the Kung Fu Drive-In Live on Clubhouse. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. I think we're just waiting for uh, Yuji, and then we can get started. Yeah, well, independent film life, let me tell you. Uh, he's actually going to get our step and repeat. We have a couple screenings coming <laughs> up this week. Nice. So he might be on the road, or he might be in a back alley getting the step and repeat. So okay. he did give me a heads up that he might be winning later. Or okay. Whatnot, so, um, so... Feel free. No worries. Like no worries. Time. Yeah, then we'll, then, uh, we'll just get started then. Uh, we have a few people here in the room. So everybody, thank you for joining the Kung Fu Drive-In Live room tonight. Uh, I am here with uh, the Paper Tigers filmmakers, Ken Kitagua, the action director, uh, one of the Zero Gravity stunt team, and Bao Tran, the director, writer of the Paper Tigers film. Uh, Katie Jo Ash is there. She's not going to be talking too much, but we wanted to welcome her anyway. Uh, otherwise, gentlemen, thank you for joining the uh, Kung Fu Drive-In Live Room tonight here on Clubhouse. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hello. Hello, hello all you listeners. I don't know how this works, but uh, I was told by Jeff to not move because my wired headset was in the perfect azimuth and orientation, <laughs> so... That's good I'm enough. In, I'm in a horse stance right now, and I'm not moving at all. So let's go. Uh, that that leads right into uh, everything that we'll be talking about with the Paper Tigers, because uh, if any of you have done the horse stance, you know that that isn't pleasant. It's my every day. <laughs> every day I'm horsing. Horse dancing coffee. Nice. All right, cool. So um, I'm just going to jump in then. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, congratulations on the Paper Tigers. Uh, I've seen it, uh, and it is uh, a fun, it is uh, a delightful movie. I think that's uh, how Collider uh, uh, described it. Great action, really great characters, uh, well-written, well-performed, wonderful cast. So uh, I know it's gotten a lot of awards already on the festival circuit, but uh, Bao, uh, how is the film being received uh, by the public so far? Well to very well. <laughs> so it is a multiple choice. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to know. I think we're going to see uh, in a little bit how it's going to be in the in the in the kind of the wide release. But uh, fortunately, we've had a a good, very positive film festival run, and uh, uh, we haven't really had an opportunity to see this uh, in a crowd with people. Uh, so we haven't had that perfect gauge just yet. But uh, it's been really nice getting messages and getting. Um, People just, uh, you know, paying us uh, directly about seeing the movie. So we're hearing a lot of feedback one-on-one. But uh, we are aching and excited for, you know, just that uh, theater laugh. You know, there's nothing like that. <laughs> it's such a trying time to uh, to be uh, releasing a film. But uh, how have you guys coped with that? Well to very well. <laughs> well, to very well. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, Ken can... can uh, can put his two cents uh for us it's a uh, it was funny like going back to the world premiere that we had in fantasia uh it was you know set in montreal and you know we had a, a live event screening and it was actually the first time the cast was able to see it uh you know at, in the final cut and then we had the q a on zoom and and then the moderator was like well thanks everybody for coming to our q a and then just kicked us out of the zoom room so i was just there sitting on my couch in a dark room just so that's the world premiere of my film. That's great. So it's a, it's a yeah, it's like kind of a different experience. Obviously, it's um, it's obviously we we are thankful that you know things things uh, things are well for us and we're healthy and we we're you know at least for us we've been okay. So um, all things considered, we try to make the best of it. 
No, that's good. That's good. And Yuji is there. Uh, he looks looks like he's on the phone still, so we're going to give him a chance to uh, to uh, take care of all that. Ken, what kind of uh, feedback have you gotten on the film so far? Oh, uh, nothing but positive. I, I just I'm super uh, just grateful for all the I just the support that I'm seeing across all the different channels. Um, it's just it's kind of amazing to see something you kind of had head heads down in and you know super focused laser focused on for such a long time, and then just for everything to end, at least from, from my end, you know, walking off set and even just working through the edits and handing that off to, to where we are today. It's kind of it's kind of amazing how the the machine kept moving and it, it continues to grow and, and reach more and more people. And um, with that, you know, I've I've gotten nothing but positive feedback and, and good vibes from from everyone uh, surrounding me. That's cool. Uh, Yuji Okamoto, welcome to the room, by the way. How are you doing tonight, sir? Good, thanks. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. I've already uh, introduced uh, the, the crowd to uh, Bao and Ken. So to everybody that's in here, Yuji Okamoto, producer on the film, uh, known by many as the villain Chozen from Karate Kid 2. And you've seen him recently on uh, Cobra Kai uh, wearing a slightly different hat. But uh, Yuji, I was just asking the guys um, how the film has been received so far. What's, uh, what's your insight on it? Uh, so far, so good. Positive... Uh Views, always a good thing to see and read. Um, yeah, it seems like people really think about you know friendship and honor, and you know it's it's really cool that uh, a film like this has come out now the API Heritage Month. All right, awesome. So uh, let me get to the next question then, uh, and Yuji, uh, I'll let you take this first. Uh, um, indie filmmaking, obviously, The Paper Tigers is an indie film. Um, requires a whole lot of patience, but this has been a decades-long journey for all of you to get this to the big screen. Um, how did you all come together to be part of this project in the first place? Well, as for me, uh, Bao approached me in uh, 2009 and asked if I was interested in helping him produce this uh, Kung Fu comedy. And uh, once I heard Kung Fu comedy, I was, uh, I was really intrigued. And so I read the script, loved the script, and uh, the next thing was um, trying to uh, raise the, the, the money for the, the, the project. And that was the challenge for, I think, all the, the producers, because we all come from the creative side of things. And so uh, this is a whole new uh, ball game for us. Um, but, you know, we had to uh, do what we could. Uh, we did all the, the, you know, personal videos, uh, you know, the, the, all these uh, um, ca campaigns to, to um, online to raise money, Kickstarter. Uh, and, you know, through this, this uh, wonderful support of all uh, the community, uh, we, we were able to manage to, to raise the capital to uh, actually shoot this film. Cool. How about you, Ken? When did you get involved with the picture? Oh, gosh. Let's see. I must have gotten involved over 20 years ago, I feel, I feel like that. I say that because, um, I've, I've been, I've known Bao since kind of like the late nineties, early two thousands, we started collaborating back then. And I think from that point on, I always knew that our, our collaborative sense together was something special. And, uh, I always just gravitated towards anything he was working on over the years. If you, if you dig deep enough, there's a, there's a few early 2000 gems that you might find on YouTube. Of stuff we put together but eventually it kind of became bigger and bigger um we did more shorts together kind of refined our little kind of like just our, our our language with one another and how we work together on set um that rapport just built over time so i just i've just been riding with him the whole time and and i remember um even hearing about the kind of the the first initial rumblings of of the idea it was kind of this one page treatment that i was talking about and kind of shopping around and looking for feedback and from that initial point, I was I was even deeper because it was about Kung Fu. It was about had a unique premise, you know, everything to challenge your creativity. And um, yeah, that since then, I've, I've been 100 percent full on board. And um, I think I think a lot of, you know, when you think about like when when I signed on it and I, you know, I kind of like paint the picture of the history together, I think when you when you find that collaborative connection or that synergy with someone or a group of people, like it's something that it at that point you decide that that's who you want to work with. It kind of never ends. So 
I know Paper Tigers is the now, but whatever's after this, you know, I'm still, I'm still, I feel like creatively, emotionally involved with, even if it's something that Bao goes on and does on his own. So I think that, that, that bond is kind of what connected me to the, to the project and still does. That's awesome. Uh, now, Bao, uh, obviously uh, you were on this project from the very beginning, <laughs> but did the idea uh, come fully formed uh, from your head or uh, where, did you struggle with it in the very beginning? No, it, um, it took time to kind of come together. You know, it was, uh, I think the initial idea was that I was making, you know, films at an early age. And uh, as I was getting older, it's one thing to go do it as a hobby. It's another thing to do it as a profession. So I was feeling a little burnt out, you know, from the filmmaking and the business side. So uh, I just wanted to kind of take that emotion and that feeling into another thing like martial arts, another early, early passion and, and kind of put that into that that type of vehicle or that type of story. So it just started with that feeling and just kind of like uh, going deeper into what that means. All the, also the relationships um, that I've had and still have or stopped to have, you know, from martial arts uh, and all those things kind of fed into building, you know, the story. So it, it, it wasn't overnight, but it kind of took a while to get, you know, the structure and the characters and the feelings and the emotions. Right. Um, so I would say probably over span of three years and that's not because i was writing for three years but uh i was also working and i was i was uh uh going to vietnam as an editor to work on some projects so i was kind of like going back and forth so uh, it was kind of taking my time and dividing uh my attention a little bit until you know i just said you know i just had to come back and focus on telling this story which is also a very um i think you know an asian american or north american asian story right um there was some interest, you know, I pitched it to, you know, I couldn't talk about it when I was in Vietnam. There was some interest uh, in it and like, oh, could you make it in the, you know, Vietnamese setting? But it always felt like it it had to be like this kind of, a, you know, tug of war between two cultures. Right. So you literally have, you know, these guys trying to fight a death match, but pick up their kids from soccer. Right. So, um, you know, it's all those things and certain themes that felt really important to kind of set it here, at least in the States, as as, as, a, as a story. So from there, you know, you just kind of kind of commit to that idea. Yeah. Now, this is your first directorial feature, right? Yeah, first feature. Nice, nice. Now, what in that process of forming the story and, and going through the, uh, the, uh, the motions uh, made you decide that this was the project that you were going to direct yourself? It's hard. You know, I, you know, I had a lot of features before that were in my pocket. Uh, some of them were really expensive, so it was practically – a decision to think about the story, but also how to kind of make it uh, affordably and do it, you know, in a way that was small scale. So, you know, in a lot of ways that form followed function, but functional followed form in this sense, because we didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, we don't have wire work. We can't afford that. So now that kind of constrains everything. So, but creatively, you know, it also fits. So um, yeah, it's, it's a little funny thing, especially if you're trying to make your first feature, you're trying to make it as inexpensive as possible but uh you know certain things are built in because you do have stunts you do have you know quite a bit of uh things behind the scenes to support that um so that's a balancing act and trying to you know figure out what what makes sense for the first feature right yeah um you know there's a lot of features that are made say like kind of a mumblecore genre especially here in seattle it's, it's super popular you know kind of a uh, what you call like a two-hander in a single room or a single right. location type of story. Right, right. And that's like always, you know, easy to do, but, you know, it didn't feel right for the story that we wanted to tell. So we just found that right right balance between budget and, uh, and you know, I guess the story. The story. Okay. Now, speaking of the budget then, uh, Yuji, uh, were you all in on the idea when you were pitched this? I, yeah, of course. I, I think once you make that commitment – to a project, especially for me, I, I just um, I was 100% behind uh, this this film. Uh, you know, I tell you, there was there was a lot of you know challenges along the way. Uh, you know, doors getting shut in our face, and you know, worse yet, there were doors that were open, but then they slapped us with the whitewashing. You know, we they wanted to finance a film, but. You know, only if they if we change the the lead actors to you know to white dudes, you know they they would suggest guys like Bruce Willis, you know, and and you know it's like how, how about you guys read the the script, you know, but you know nothing against Bruce Willis as an actor, but I don't think he can play a role that specifically is written for an Asian American. Uh, you know we we've all seen that done in in 
films in the past. And, you know, I, I don't know, I have no desire to see that again. So, yeah, there was a, a lot of those kind of challenges. But you know what? You got to persevere. You got to push through because you got to believe that, you know, this this is a mission. This is, uh, you know, your your part in making a change. You know, you got strong minority roles in this film and uh, you want to make sure that that those stay intact. And, you know, because we, we have that, you know, we have a story to tell. And I think the more stories we, we tell out there, it'll give us um, more visibility as uh, Asian Americans. Right. Let me let me touch on that, though, because uh, with that um, whitewashing in there, um, how often along this journey then were you genuinely discouraged where you were considering maybe this isn't a good idea and we should back out of this? You know, like like any project, there you know that you're, you know, deeply involved in. Uh, you know, you're gonna, you know, run into walls sometimes, and um, you know we would 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 have these you know calls, check-in calls every week. Um, and I came came on this project project six years ago, and you know when you think about all the the the, the amount of time that you spent on this and the journey and all that stuff. You know, I don't think none of us were, were about to quit. Yeah, you, you have those roadblocks, you, you know, you have those issues. But you know what? We just we just kept grinding, man. And that's what it's about. Man. you <laughs> got to grind, especially with indie film, man. you got to believe in it and you've got to, you know, persevere and push through. For sure. Ken, what about you? Did you ever uh, stop and go, man, this is not going to happen? I wasn't. I wasn't privy to all the, the doors closing and, and budget constraint talks. So I had the, the luxury of just kind of focusing on on, on uh, developing the style and kind of the essence of the action that we were we were going for. So I was fortunate enough to stay in the creative space. Um, and uh, but, you know, I would hear here, you know, here and there about this meeting went that way or something didn't go out or some, some budget thing didn't turn out the way we, we anticipated. But, um, in the end, you know, uh, we're very much protected, um, at least in the creative realm, uh, from, from a lot of that information to, to kind of interfere with, or I don't know, um, discourage. So shout out to the producers for handling that business. <laughs> Bao, of course, you're closest to this. This was your baby. So, uh, were there points along the way where, you figured that maybe this was uh, something for another day? Um, I think the thought was like, I just didn't know how it was going to happen, but it was going to happen. Because um, we, I mean, keep in mind, you know, like you were saying, we had 10 years grinding, but, you know, 10 years of honest conversation, you know, about where things are and just kind of, so it's like 10 years that come to Jesus moment. So we were always, <laughs> I think we were always like a little realistic and at least trying to understand where things were were exactly, uh, you know, working against us or what it, what we had to do. So I just felt like we were always kind of like moving forward and maybe not in the pace and speed that we were trying to do. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was still like downhill. Right. So, um, yeah, I couldn't say, I wouldn't say it would, you know, just kind of put away, but I think it was just kind of question, well, you know, what's it going to look like eventually? Because, uh, we had to do, you know, just kind of behind the scenes, logistically, you have to do, you know, a lot of budget scenarios and a lot of iterations on what it would look like for the schedule. So, just, you know, down in the nitty gritty, you know, if you can take a day off of your shooting schedule, that, you know, takes a, quite a bit of chunk off your, your budget and vice versa. If you add days, you know, it adds on. So uh, just trying to find the sweet spot of like, OK, do we take away days? And if we take away days, what does that do for action? What does that do for everybody else to have the time to do what they need to do? Uh, yeah, we can maybe, you know, get a, get enough money to do it at this this number but you know is it the right movie that we want to make so that's always a challenge because you know the, you know you are eager to work and you want to do something but you know you kind of have to hold fire and, and be patient and just hit the right number that 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 it needs you know every movie has kind of that sweet spot you don't want to tighten the belt too much you know um so yeah i mean i think also it felt in, inevitable once we shot the first portion of the film which is like two years before the main shoot that's the stuff that we shot with yoshi and gi and peter um, and Roger, you know, we shot that with some of the money that we had in hand. Uh, we didn't have all the money to shoot the whole movie, but we had something to shoot some of the pages. Uh, so we thought, why not shoot the young, young youth period uh, and shoot that out uh, essentially and get that in the can and not have to worry about it. So once we did that, it almost felt like, OK, we just spent like 
a pound of flesh. You know, we just put a lot of money into this already, so we're just going to have to finish now. So it almost felt inevitable at a certain point, even though we just didn't know how it was going to happen. But we just put, you know, we dipped one foot in too deep already. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. But um, with the, the whitewashing struggles that you had to deal with, uh, and even today with the current anti-Asian sentiment, delicate subject, I'm sure, but how important was it that you made this film the way that you wanted to make it? Uh, next question, pass. No, um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, I think we just didn't know how to do anything else. Like maybe we're too stubborn or we, our BS meter just is just too, too high. And it just felt like it didn't feel like the movie in any other change. If we changed the cast or we changed the things, like if anyone's seen the movie, to me, it's, it seems so patently ridiculous to want to change the cast to be white because there is one great white character and it's, and it's, it's imbalanced to the characters that we already had. I mean, all of it is meant to play against each other, each other, you know, that's part of the story we're trying to tell. Uh, so for, to get a note or a, a caveat or a production offer that, you know, had to require, you know, making the entire cast white, it's like, God, you just want all the pieces on the chessboard, don't you? Like, you can't, you can't have just one, right? It's like, it's just so, it's so patently absurd at the beginning. So we always felt like, you know, we just had to move on. So the whole thing, you know, I would like to say, I would like to say, you know, we had, we had an idea of what we wanted to make the movie for, but we didn't certainly want to be like martyrs for it. We didn't want to be like these uh, spokespeople or icons by any means, but, but just for the fact that we stuck to our guns, uh, we kind of became that. So it's that weird position. Like we just wanted to make a movie and tell the story about characters that we know and, and, and the story that, and, ex, and our experiences, that's all. But the way the system is set up, you know, suddenly you, you, you have to push back against it. And suddenly you're, you're the one that's the nail that's sticking out. Yeah. Now, Yuji, uh, you, you're on uh, both sides of that uh, spectrum as a producer and as an actor. So um, what was it like having to, uh, face that some of that criticism head on and uh i mean what how do you handle that kind of thing when when they're saying to your face that uh uh yeah this is a good idea but only if guys like you aren't the stars oh, oh right right well that that's where the the catch-22 is right um you know when they talk about whitewashing the, the studios want uh, these box office stars, but you can't really have any Asian American box office stars unless you cast them in lead roles. So it, it's it's really a, a tough situation. Um, we saw the, you know this with recent movies like Ghost in the Shell and um, Aloha and uh, Doctor Strange. The list goes on and on from even way back, uh, you know, in the in the fifties and forties. So unless you're unless they're willing to give Asian Americans a chance at these lead roles, then the situation won't get any better. But like I always say, uh, we can't rely on Hollywood to change this cycle. Uh, ultimately it falls on us to try and break that cycle by, by writing, uh, creating good Asian American stories that resonate not to not only us, but to a broader audience. You know, hopefully that changes the perception of who we are and uh, what we can bring to the table. Right. Now, Ken, let me uh, direct this question to you because the students avenging their fallen master uh, trope is one that's familiar to anybody who's a classic Kung Fu film fan. Uh, so when you were given this part of the story to, to work on, were you at all hesitant to uh, work on that part of it because of the fear of perpetuating that stereotype that all Asians don't martial arts and, uh, <laughs> you know, you're developing the action for this. So here we go again. No, um, I don't think I had any resistance or hesitation um, with with that aspect um, in consideration. Um, I'm American, born and raised. Um, I have an interest in movies, specifically action movies, and that got me interested in martial arts. Um, instead of soccer practice, I went to Kung Fu. Um, so in a lot of ways, because of the accessibility, at least in my time, um, martial arts was common for kids to go to Taekwondo, karate, for me it was Kung Fu. Um, and I, I, I think it's it's very much a part of, yes, an Asian American experience, um, but as an American experience. Uh, martial arts is prevalent everywhere. And um, this was an honest story, again, like kind of back to what Bao was saying, this is 
this is just what we know. This is this is what we were. This is the story we were telling. So I had no hesitation at all. Um, <laughs> it was just something that I could really relate to. So, which further attracted me to to, you know, um, sticking close to it. Yeah, that's good. How about how about you then? Because when you're putting this together and you're and you're pitching it. Um, you know, three guys adventure master and, uh, there's going to be martial arts and, uh, yeah, they're all Asians. Did you struggle at all with that, knowing that you were going to be facing, uh, that kind of stereotype? Uh, it wasn't until people told us, <laughs> I think it's one of those things like, again, I, you know, maybe we're just blissfully unaware, just kind of like going, so we just stay in our lane, you know, we do this. And again, you know, we didn't become this uh, poster ch- children for diversity just until, you know, we, people knew that we were saying no to, you know, these, these production offers. So, you know, in terms of the Asian American pushback, yeah, I think that we got a little bit, yeah, for sure. Uh, not a little bit, but we got, we got some pushback for sure, because I think there's complicated feelings around emo- uh, martial arts. And like you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, if most of the depictions of Asian Americans in the past, you know, 30, 40 years has been, martial arts thugs or henchmen or, or, or Yakuza or, and so on. So, you know, if that's the only image that people have, then does it feel like we're perpetuating that? Uh, I never felt that way because we were coming from a place of truth and honesty about, you know, the people we knew. And obviously it's in a, a hyper, you know, hyper uh, exaggerated genre piece, but it's, it is still like, you know, something that we wanted that was grounded and, and, and people that we could recognize. So I never worked from that point of view. Um, I think with the the whole thing, you know, Bruce Lee is a complicated, you know, person as well, just because for a lot of Asians uh, who grew up in America and, or Canada, and they they don't know martial arts, but on the playground they were teased or mocked, you know, for with these Bruce Lee accents or you know martial arts uh, chopsocky motions and stuff like that. I think we all, well, a lot of us have that experience too. Um, so we understand it, but I think that's also something that we're playing into here. It's, you know, what is it also that to deal with this image that you have of macho-ness and these three tigers clearly had it at one time and now they're, you know, they're falling much short of that. Um, yeah, so I think it's, that's kind of the, the two sides that we kind of had to deal with, but again, we kind of knew what we were we wanted to kind of set forward and, and go forward. I think like, like what Ken was talking about, you know, it was a hobby or a, or a thing that most people do, but I think the way we tell the story hopefully is a way for other people to kind of also recognize their own hobbies in it, you know, whether it's break dancing or skateboarding, you know, that whole like early passage, the credit sequence is that type of energy, that nineties energy, regardless of what it was, you know, it was that growing up vibe, the battling ciphers, all those things are, are the same as Baymo. Um, so, you know, we just wanted to be able to tell this specific story and other people can have access to that even if they don't know martial arts. Yeah, I'm just going to add to that really quick, you know, um, to Ken's point and Bao's point. This is basically just a story about regular dudes who happen to be Asian and who just happen to do martial arts, plain and simple. Yeah, and uh, it it is an honest uh, story, and it's a it, and like I said, it's really well done. So if you it, when you get to see it uh, May seventh, you guys get get out there and enjoy it. Um, but speaking of the martial arts, Ken, the action is amazing. It's it's done so well. Um, and uh, apparently, it's it shouldn't be a surprise because Bao was mentored by Corey Yoon. But uh, uh, Ken, you did a great job of showing off the skills of these former kung fu kids who uh, maybe have put on a few years and uh, a few pounds. <laughs> but uh, how involved was the training uh, to get all the versions of these actors from the from the kids to the uh, older guys uh, in uh, shape to do some kung fu fighting? In shape or out of shape? Right, that's the question. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, it was. It was a lot because if, if you, I did the count, the body count uh, a while back when we were kind of thinking about the quantity of action and the and work that went into the, um, into the choreography. And I think I came out to about 15 unique fight scenes. Like almost half of those were in the VHS intro footage, the prologue footage, um, most, of, most of which has been you know, cut out. But you know, we had about 15 unique fights to consider. So and they were very different, right? So the, 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 the teenage tigers had a very different style of performance. Um, we were doing those in, in a one shot just because, you know, we're trying to achieve that, the kind of lost, lost VHS footage look and no editing there. Um, and then we kind of, oh, jumping back before that with the kid version of, of the, uh, the tigers, 
on the paint cans, it was more focused around kind of Gong Fu fundamentals and, and kind of like just overall structure. And then when we get to the Tigers, um, it was kind of a mixture of everything where we had to make sure that they understood technique, intent, application, how it all works, but also um, didn't overcomplicate just the visual and get lost in spectacle so that we could stay close to the story, you know, stay close to telling the truth about these characters in these, you know, physically vulnerable moments. So it was a lot of moving parts. And when we, when we think about training, I think the training was kind of more so on Bao and I to come to set ready with these ideas that we could apply to what we were given. Because um, in a lot of cases, we didn't have a lot of time before the shoot with the actors. Um, so we had to really know what we, what we needed from them after, you know, a bit of a kind of a physical assessment and see where everybody kind of landed on the athletic scale. Um, and from that point on, we just kind of layered in um, those, those sort of artistic qualities that we were hoping to get out of the performances um, and um, hoping that they matched our vision, you know, um, based on our early talks of, of just kind of the unique approach to action design. It's kind of scattered, you know, in terms of preparation, but it's mainly due because there, there were so many moving parts and um, different kind of, um, I don't know, a creative approaches to each phase of the Tigers' lives. Yeah, and they look good. And Bao, uh, let me ask you then, before that, where did you pull the inspiration for all of that kung fu fighting then? Was it from experience or, or were you was this just part of the creative process? You mean like stylistically or from the story? Stylistically and story. So, um, well, I mean, Babel culture is, is is like definitely you know part of any lore that you know if you do martial arts specifically kung fu you know the whole idea of like dojo busting is is pretty legendary you know throughout the 70s and 80s not so much these days uh but before you know when schools were kind of uh rare and opening uh uh you know they had to kind of prove themselves to to be worthy of <laughs> having students you know so that that culture is is you know definitely a part of that past and even before that you know whole Bruce Lee's, you know, upbringing in Hong Kong, you know, the Bema culture and uh, between the Kung Fu clans uh, out in Hong Kong, you know, why he got in trouble and had to come to America in, in the first place. So that's all the backdrop that, you know, we all kind of grow up and kind of hearing stories of all those things. So that kind of like inspires that the story. Um, stylistically, yeah, like Ken was saying, you know, it, it's kind of like a lot of stuff with moving parts, but there was a method to the madness because I think what we we're trying to do was also kind of deconstruct our training and our our kind of experience because we've done a lot of action stuff up to now and uh like ken and i did the challenger for example which is like to me like a really more of a classical type of hong kong fighting right that style of like really rapid fire and something that's very aesthetically beautiful and stuff like that but for this movie we had to kind of undo all that you know it's almost like going analog in a way just kind of like dirtying it up making it a little messy uh holding back maybe our habits the where we kind of want something that's a little more powerful but sometimes that's not the best choice you know it's uh also like uh you know taking the the second best take instead of the best take of something so maybe the the kick that is crispest is not you know the what we want we want the kind of the not so crisp one or the when the actor kind of falls accidentally and we take that one um so it's also a lot of um undoing and kind of uh what would you call minimizing or minimalizing or, or deconstructing or pulling back, you know, the stuff that we're used to doing uh, to kind of achieve this type of style for this movie. Yeah. Yuji, let me ask you then, um, there are actual and really skilled martial artists uh, in the cast. Uh, some of the martial club guys doing some amazing things on screen. What kind of uh, skill levels were you working with for all of the, uh, the main cast members in terms of their, their martial arts skill or lack thereof? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ron Yuan, I, I've known for many, many years. We've worked together on a ton of films. Uh, so he's a very skilled uh, martial artist. I think his style is Kyokushinka. Um, and so he, there was no problem with, with Ron and, and him and his skills. Uh, and a tremendous actor, too, by the way. And he, he was looking for a comedy. So I said, Ron, I got a project for you. Uh, and the other two, um, Mikkel... Um, Mikhail Shannon Jenkins, who plays Jim, uh, his, his uh, I guess, um, strength was boxing. Uh, I guess he boxed uh, for, for a while. And, and so, uh, you know, 
it's it's kind of hard to now translate that into you know kung fu because it's so different um and, and so i think you know the guys had to to work with um with mikhail to kind of train him to move a different way now think a different way and uh, uh elaine uh we he was uh i think he had studied taekwondo back in the day and and so his his skill was more of a, a movement because he was a dancer so uh you know what they what the team did as, as far as the, the the stunt team and the choreo team they kind of work with their strengths and and try to to work with that and and develop that as opposed to forcing 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 pushing this on and this on so uh hats off to ken and and the crew for kind of working with these actors and and bringing out the best of them even though they're terrible <laughs> you know they're supposed to be in bad shape that not not the best shape, but they're, they're supposed to be out of shape. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, they, they did a really good job, um, you know, getting, getting those guys to where they needed to be, uh, either looking bad when they had to look bad and looking good when they had to look good. <laughs> Ken, who was the most game in the cast to, uh, really throw down there and, uh, and get into the mix? Ooh, this is going to get me in trouble. No, I'm just <laughs> They were all amazing. I will, I do have to say, um, Elaine was incredible. Uh, he would text me, he would ask for, you know, kind of maybe YouTube links of, of things to kind of consider in terms of movement and quality and kind of just like, you know, kind of, well, what do you think is a good action scene kind of a question to me. So he, he was very inquisitive, always um, would pull me aside to run through the choreography um, between takes. In fact, you know, he kind of started to, encourage the guys to come out and practice on their days off. And it kind of became towards the end, towards, you know, like right before the Carter fights, we were shooting the Carter fights somewhere in the middle of the shoot kind of became a thing we did on our day off. We, we were going to, we were going to meet up, work out, um, go through some choreography concepts, um, you know, drill some fundamentals and then go have some dim sum. Like that was a thing that we were doing week after week. So um, shout out, you know, big shout out. Thank you so much, Elaine, because he really made, my job as an action director um, and just kind of a movement designer and in general for him and for the rest of the cast so much easier because he kind of, he led with that example. Um, and all the guys were super fun to work with. Um, and, you know, kind of what, what UG was talking about, we really tried to work with them uh, to see what they were comfortable doing because again, we don't want to impose, you know, some very specifically something like some awkward movement that, it just doesn't translate well to their body type that maybe one of the, you know, kind of one of, one of the guys doing the previs made look beautiful, different body types, different, different movement quality, et cetera. So um, we really tried to work with our actors and everybody. Uh, I mean, just the response back and forth, it was mutual. The respect was great. So I think, and I hope that's, that's what's reflected in the quality of their movement and kind of just, just the aesthetic of, of what we present in the, in the, in the fight scenes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, that all translates for sure on screen. Um, Bao, you uh, made a point to uh, focus the story on uh, on honor and um, the loyalty and, and the meaning of, of Kung Fu. Um, was it important to showcase real martial arts as well by, you know, bringing in some of these guys that could really do these crazy things with their bodies? Yeah, I mean, all, uh, all of the above. I think... Uh you know, when you say you're going to make a Kung Fu movie, I think there's a certain level of expectation of what people are going in to see. So you do have to kind of deliver the goods in that sense. Uh, maybe it's not, you know, we know, you know, we're not a Mortal Kombat. It's not a raid or anything like the action of this story is, you know, of a certain type. So uh, I think we just need to have a quality to where you can understand it, number one, as an audience, but number two, also be convinced by it. Um, and to, to be pulled in, you know, more into the story with the characters. So if we've done that, I feel like we've done the job. But that also means like the little things or the stuff that's um, kind of hidden, hidden or more invisible type of stuff, you know, sells, then it's good. It's almost like the one thing like if you don't see the themes or you don't see the mistakes, then that's what we're what we're going for. Um, so there is hard work and there is like a lot of attention and detail to kind of make it look easy, if that makes sense. <laughs> All right, uh, about, how about uh, giving me a favorite moment either on or off set during your time with the Paper Tigers? Oh, um, hmm. 
I think in general, it's the vibe. I think there were, you know, I think making movies obviously is very tough. There's always a fire to put out. There's always something um, that comes your way that just kind of like, you know, throws a, a wrench in the works and all that stuff. But I think the vibe that everyone had that they were locked in, they were going to adjust. It wasn't the end of the world. They were going to find a way to kind of figure it all out. Um, and that it was still very light and and uh, friendly with each other, you know, even while we had very creative and very pointed discussions about certain things, I think we were still respected each other and all those things. Um, and uh, I would just say for the cast, just watching the cast, how they started really bonding together, especially the Tigers. Um, Cause keep in mind, they hadn't met each other until, you know, four or five weeks uh, before the shoot for pre-production. So to get them to be fast friends or get them to be, uh, blood brothers uh, convincingly you know in the story is you know a testament to their skill and their dedication to it um so i just remember like during any any time that they're off i mean these guys were just like jabbing each other and talking and jawing off and like during lunch i would walk by their table i hear them it's like the debate of the day you know i would hear them either you know debating about you know best uh, best laker lineup or best you know basketball <laughs> dynasty or best rapper east coast west coast like it would just run the gamut of any kind of type of conversation uh but they would just be chopping it up and it's just cool that every time they, it was fresh like they were just they weren't tired of each other uh morning noon and night uh so to see them have you know that real friendship was um was to me kind of like okay i think we got something here because if they're experiencing that you know the camera's not going to miss that so uh, I was really I was feeling more confident as the days went by, uh, just seeing them interact. That's cool, Ken. What about you? Uh, a favorite moment on or off set? Oh gosh, I gotta I gotta echo everything Bao said about you know just kind of just the general vibe of the set. I mean, from day one, um, you're kind of like welcomed on as as family, and um, you feel like you know no matter who's on set, everybody's important, um, and I think. You know, I, I certainly went out of my way to try to to interact with and and um, become more familiar with different departments because the set did feel so open and everybody did literally have a smile on their face. You know, um, walking to and from. Um, I, I would also say that a lot of that was because of the leadership. You know, um, Bao and and the producers and and um, the whole behind the scenes team. Uh, they really do create that sense of that, that kind of atmosphere where everything is a little bit more light. Um, even if the producers are kind of like, uh, they're just putting a grin on to make us feel better. Um, we, we definitely did feel like supported. Um, we always felt like there was a good vibe. Um, I was, I was, I was very sad to leave Seattle after the shoot was wrapped because, um, I, I was going to miss that daily dose of, of good vibes and, and just kind of being amongst um, like-minded creative people um, that are all on the same page, um, marching towards, you know, the same goal. So there, there's nothing like that. Um, when you get an opportunity to, to, to work with that kind of team where you get the sense that um, you're doing something very special and um, no matter what happens, uh, you're grateful for that experience. If I were to get very specific, though, uh, with after that long-winded intro, too, I think any time Matt was on set um, was was pretty memorable. Matt Page, because um, they would kind of allow him do, to do, Bao would let him uh, do a couple takes um, of improv, um, and and specifically in the uh, the kung fu school, he does a, a kind of a traditional form, and I remember everybody dying off off camera, um, just couldn't hold themselves up straight. He was running the the alphabet of animals, um, and it was probably one of the most um, spectacular um, displays of, of improv and physical comedy. So, yeah, anytime Matt was on set, it was just we, we knew we were all going to have a laugh, and, and it, it was just that much more of a party. So, day to day, it was always it was always a good time. Um, I I missed it. <laughs> that's cool and uh for those of you that don't know matt page i might be better known as master ken of the uh, maradote <laughs> school uh and he did it he really did a great job um yuji what about you favorite moment um when they called rap <laughs> oh <I'm... laughs> no i think uh with with uh talking about matt page 
there was, um, God, there's so many wonderful scenes with him. There was uh, uh, this banter where um, Ron and, and, and Matt are hurling insults back and forth. And, and um, you know, they, they shot um, Ron's close-up first. Uh, and Ron was just nailing Matt with this and that, this insult, this. It was hilarious. And then, uh, you know, Matt was admitted that he was kind of flustered because, you know, he didn't he didn't have any comebacks. And uh, so they broke for lunch and they turned the cameras around and they came on on Matt's close up. And, you know, when when he was out to lunch, he was thinking, OK, when he says, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. And then he to say, so he was trying to, you know, come up with all these wonderful comebacks and, you know, just that process, you know, of, you know, maybe some people wouldn't even care, but he took the time to care about, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to not be showing up. And he put in the work. And so all those things in the film, I mean, it's just evident, you know, when, when Ron and him are, are go at it, it's just, it's just beautiful to see that improv. But um, one one thing I want to say real quick in, you know, which which touched my heart was everyone there on the set was there for the right reason. You know, and what I mean by that is that this isn't about a paycheck. This isn't that kind of film. It's a passion project. People from the, the, the crew to the cast to the volunteers, everyone. It was such a wonderful set because of that. You know, that vibe of wanting to, to do something special, wanting to make a great film. So, um, you know, the last dinner that we had, we had this big, long buffet table. It was in a, in a garage, probably real close to Chinatown. But, oh, my God, it was just such a heartwarming moment to, to me because everybody just was enjoying themselves and enjoying the company. So it was just like having a, a big party and, and everybody was there to just talk story and reminisce. And I tell you, man, uh, it is one of the, the most special moments of my career, uh, witnessing that, that kind of camaraderie on, on a project. So I just wanted to throw that out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and there are a lot of heartwarming moments in this film, so I'm not surprised by that. Um, I'm going to take a, a moment here and uh, and uh, let the audience down there know that if anybody has any questions, raise your hand uh, and I'll bring you up on stage and you can uh, ask uh, questions of these guys uh, directly. Um, but in the meantime, let me start uh, this question to uh, Ken. Um, is there any thought to coming back to the Paper Tigers universe and what would you do uh, with the extra storyline uh, how would you develop it? Oh, gosh, that's tough. Um, do you mean by come back as, I don't know, is that, is that no, spoilers, spoiler? no spoilers, no spoilers, <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, I just messed up everything. I ruined the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as an action director, um, I don't know. I think we, we kind of set the tone for, for um, uh, the way the Tigers um, reunited. Um, I, I think, we would we would continue to see the development of of their bond. We would continue to see the the kind of the resurgence of Danny's skill. Um, I, I do think it'd be a, a really fun journey to take um, with with the with the Tigers again, um, just to see how they develop um, now that they've kind of closed the chapter and started anew with each other. Um, to see how their kung fu develops um, would be a, a a very, very, very interesting um, perspective. Uh, Yuji, how about you? How would you, uh, if you come back to the Paper, Paper Tigers universe, uh, what would you do with the uh, extra story time? Um, I think I'd be an actor, not a producer. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I say that kiddingly, but I, I love the, the guys I, I work with, um, you know, Alan and, and uh, Michael and, and Dan. I mean, when you think about the kind of skills those guys have, I mean, those guys are the true glue to this film. Uh, Michael busted his butt doing all the SAG and DGA paperwork and dealing with uh, all the contracts. And, you know, it was just so much stress on him. And then Alan was doing so much with all the, the Kickstarter campaigns and, you know, all the crowdfunding stuff that we did and 
doing so many, um, you know, so much artwork, cutting trailers, you know, into the middle of the night. And, you know, he has a, you know, a little boy and, and trying to balance that family life. And so it, it was, uh, you know, such a pleasure, man, to, to work with these dudes and, you know, and Dan too. I mean, everybody to, to bow, I mean, bow busted his butt on this thing. So if he asked me to come back on this, I would, I would say yes in a heartbeat because these guys really busted their ass and, and it's because of them, this film, uh, is where it's at. Awesome. And bow, uh, again, this is your baby. So, uh, is there any thought to coming back to the paper tigers and, uh, what would you do if you did? Yeah, I have a pretty clear vision already. I mean, I, I see a lot of zeros in my bank account. <laughs> Ain't no money like sequel money. Am I right? <laughs> is that how it works? Awesome. I think that's how it works. I think that's how it works. I was told that I was told that, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it just kind of depends. I, I think you can go a lot of different ways. Uh, the story, I you know, for me, kind of constructing it was always a way of finding the minimal, you know, the minimizing and start the story as late as you can and get out of the story as early as you can. You know, that's the kind of the way I look at storytelling. But, you know, I think there's a lot of great um, pieces that are there that could definitely be explored. Uh, you know, not to give away too much of the story, I think there's a there's a bartender in the film that I feel like is a incredible, <laughs> charismatic, uh, magnetic personality. I just feel like there's a whole story that could be explored around that person, uh, preferably around a, you know, eight, nine figure deal uh, in which, you know, we would explore just two hours with this person exclusively. I think that would be um, something I think the audience will see it. Keep an eye out for the bartender. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's really promising what what he can do. I like it. I like it. Um, we have a question from Danzo that we brought up on stage. Danzo, help. What question do you have for the guys? Cool. Uh, thanks for having me up, Jeff. Uh, so I, I have two questions. One's a, just a really short answer, and then I have another question. So uh, first off, I uh, how excited are you guys to be at this point after the movie's been filmed and it's it's out there? I, like how hype are you right now? I want to know how you feel when it comes to that. And then the the second question is, uh, so I, I didn't even, I'll be honest, I didn't know this movie existed and I, and I love Kung Fu and I've always been kind of of this movies and I've always been in this attitude of like, uh, man, what's happening? There's not a lot of Kung Fu movies like these days. What's, what the hell is happening? And then Jeff got me onto this one and I was like, holy shit, I got to come to this clubhouse meeting. I got to watch this movie. Uh, so that being said, I actually, when I watched one of the trailers or something I was watching, did I see one of the guys from this, there's these YouTube guys, their channel is called the Marshall Club. Did I see a couple of those guys involved in this? Oh yeah, Ken, yeah, take that. That is the Marshall Club, um, Brian and Andy Lee. So yes, you saw correct. That's awesome. I, I think their stuff's pretty, pretty, pretty fun and, uh, and they're skilled, so. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, how, how hype are you guys right now, man? Everybody. We have the producer, Michael, and I think he can answer that. <laughs> how hype are you, Michael? Yeah, Michael and Alan, I, I brought you guys up. So unmute yourself and join the conversation. Yeah, the, the hype is, I'm just so, so excited. Can't, this is my excitement. <laughs> well, okay, go go mute yourself. Mute yourself, Michael. Yeah. Okay, okay. Get off stage. Super Got off stage. useful. But I, yeah, I yeah. gone for that. <laughs> Um, really looking listen, for the bartender, uh, The bartender, yeah, yeah. Time he was... The explanation. That was a terrible pitch. <laughs> oh, wow. I was trying to get people to watch it. They have to see what it is. Um, to answer your question, I think we're all super hyped. It's just like, it's a weird thing because uh, we've never seen the movie with a crowd. So I think, number one, we, we want that moment and we're so excited. Even just this morning, we heard we're going to be in 70 theaters where initially we thought we were just going to do, you know, maybe a, uh, limited, uh, very limited run, uh, and do VOD, you know, at the same time and focus more on VOD, but, you know, Wellgo is really making uh, a play at it. So thank the shout out to them and thank you to them for, you know, you know, ma really making some moves on it. So we have 30, 70 screens that, you know, will have a theatrical experience and that's what we had always wanted. So super hyped around that. Um, we're just kind of like trying to dodge and like, uh, you know, you know, dodge issue, new issues that are arising, you know, here in Washington state, uh, we almost dodged, we did, but dodge a bullet because they were about to kind of move the theater capacity down to 25%, which, 
which would have been a bummer. So like every day is a new thing with indie filmmaking. It's like every new thing is new development is always coming at you. Uh, so we are very, very excited despite Michael's monotone. Uh, don't take that to be an indie <laughs> It's just he's the e- he's the Eeyore of the group, and we've called him that, and uh, he is just the most realistic one. So anytime we're hype, we kind of look at him to kind of bring our feet to the ground. But uh, even he is excited, and even he is a, a little he's, – he's wetting his pants just a little bit because we are finally having a movie coming out in theaters. And honestly, that's what we had always hoped for and, and wanted, you know, just to get in front of the audience and let, let the audience decide. You know, however you guys, you know, take it, we would love – to entertain you and hope you can be entertained but we got you know all the middle people all the gatekeepers everybody out the way so here we are and we made a movie and uh tickets are for sale Thank heck you. yeah dude well i'm gonna be there day one so i'm excited after Ooh, i watch it out i mean i'm up in bothell man i'll take you guys oh I'll bothell all right guys. all right yeah i'll treat you guys to some kona kitchen you know we'll we'll get it hey. done. <laughs> Hey, I, I love it. Restaurants? Good plug. Good yeah. plug. <laughs> good plug. <laughs> Ask right. for the bartender. That's awesome. There we go. Denzo, thanks for that question. Uh, last last question before we wrap it up for the evening. Uh, what's the one thing that you want uh, the audience to take away from this movie? And uh, Alan and Michael, I'm going to ask you guys uh, as well. Uh, I'll start this with Yuji, though. Well, uh, I think for, for us is that, um, or for me, uh, is is that uh, you know anything's possible? I mean, we we have this ten year journey uh, uh, from you know uh, inception to now in theaters come May seventh. So for us, I think uh, you know it's it's a it's a story of you know perseverance. I think, and that's what I want people to to walk away with is that you know stuff can be done if you set your mind to it. And uh, it takes a lot of hard work, and it's and it's it's a grind. But you know, it's it it it's a wonderful journey, and uh, you know, you just gotta dive in and, and go for it. And remember that it's not just you; it takes a village to uh, make something like this happen. So um, hopefully, people will walk away with with uh, with that in, in their in their minds. Awesome, Alan. How about you, sir? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of hop on to what Yuji just said, you know, about perseverance and everything. I mean, we we spent a good ten years trying to, you know, get this movie done, and 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 then we hit the pandemic, and the fact that you know we're still here, and we're about to go out into theaters, and you know, it you, film at the end of the day is a business of fun, and and we kind of have to um, put aside, you know, what's happening in the world right now, and just get, you know safely in a theater somehow and see it with an audience and, and, and really just have fun. I mean, that's, that's really what this movie's about. And, um, and yeah, so, uh, if you guys are, um, feel safe enough to go to theaters, go to theaters, you know, and then we're also on all digital platforms and, you know, bring family together safely and enjoy the movie. That's all I can say. Perfect. Michael, how about you? I would say that if, if you see the trailer or you just hear about the movie and, you're not interested i i would encourage you to watch it anyway because it's not what anyone's expecting i don't think anyone uh realizes how funny it is and how heartfelt it is i know that those words are in in the reviews but uh, just based on like the the trailer or the poster that that might not be as apparent and it really is uh it's a very funny and enjoyable movie just not what people are going to be pleasantly surprised even if they are expecting a comedy. Agreed, agreed. Ken, how about you? I'll copy and paste everything that everybody else said. With, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, it, you know, watching this thing, you know, go from the, the one-page treatment to, to what we're, you know, looking to experience next weekend, it, it's just like, it just feels like you get the sense that never give up on, on something that, you know, um, means so much to you, no matter how long it takes. Um, and just the idea of, you know, even within the movie, um, the, the, the tigers are, are, they promise themselves through their Kung Fu and with the creed and everything. And, um, in a lot of ways, um, you know, seeing this, seeing this, uh, come to fruition, um, in the way that it has is a testament to that hard work and the commitment to something that you believe in so much. Um, and in the end, um, you, you know, you, you can't exchange that journey, that, that, 
that experience that got you to, you know, your, your earlier, your earlier perceived destination um, of whatever you thought you were trying to get to, you realize, you know, kind of like what they say, it's, it's, it's about the journey. So just to keep going and never give up on something that you, you truly believe in um, is, is something that I, I hope people walk away with either whether they know about the story of how the movie was made, you know, that, 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 or just the story of the three tigers. Yep. Perfect. Bow final word from you, sir. Well, I would like to think that they will walk away just wondering what it would look like in a sequel with a bartender <laughs> and just uh, consumed by the, the imagination of where that story could go. Is he single? What's his story? What's his thing? And maybe at night they'll be tossing and turning and they just cannot rest until there is a sequel. And I think uh, I would say job well done if we did that. <laughs> I fully agree. <laughs> We're accepting investment now, actually. That's what he's saying. Just bow, put your Venmo in the, uh, in the chat or something. Done. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, so the Paper Tigers is available uh, on demand in theaters starting May 7th. Is that correct? In theaters and on VOD, May 7th, Friday, May 7th. There's a couple of advanced screenings if you check your local listings, if you can catch it on Thursday. But uh, we'll be out, out, all out there Friday, May 7th. Perfect. And uh, it is currently tracking at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and as having seen the movie, I can tell you it is fun. It is very funny. Genuine laugh out loud moments. Very heartwarming. The characters are so real and relatable uh, and honest. And you will have a good time. Uh, and you you will be pleasantly surprised with the movie. So uh, head out there and take a look at it. Uh, Bao Tran, Ken Kitagua, Yuji Okamoto, thank you so much for joining me tonight for this Kung Fu Drive-In Live. Uh, Michael Velasquez, Alan Duong, thank you for uh, hopping up on stage. Denzo, thank you for the question. Katie Joe, thank you for setting this all up. I appreciate all of your time. Best of luck with the film. Uh, best of luck uh, for the bartender getting his sequel. Uh, I think that would be amazing. And, uh, Listen, everybody stay safe and uh, looking forward to seeing how the general public uh, takes on the Paper Tigers. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thanks, Donzo. For thanks, everyone. Hey, hey, no problem. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, nice to meet everybody, and I'm looking forward to going to see the movie. Take it easy. <laughs> Big thanks to Bao Tran, Yuji Okamoto, Ken Kitagua, Michael Velasquez, and Alan Duong, and Katie Joe Ash for making this whole event happen. Paper Tigers is in select theaters and on VOD Friday, May 7th, so do yourselves a favor and check out this incredibly enjoyable, very funny film that also puts a bunch of awesome kung fu fighting in your face. Oh, and keep an eye out for the bartender with a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. He's probably going to go on to do big things. I wish the cast and crew nothing but the best of luck, so if you get to see it, find them on their socials and drop them a line. Let them know what you think. All the links will be in the show notes, and while you're at it, follow me as well, and if you have the means... Maybe consider buying me a coffee so we can keep the Kung Fu kicking right here on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless Aida roaming over the lands. Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars. Fight for the cars, then pass here. The pass, not the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, David is coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster. The child a little drink because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time in China, Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see Maggie show his spine. Golden Swallow has arrived. Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive. We've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight. May as well pick the spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cut the vampires back. We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back. He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword.
sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in the mountain style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walk to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and trying to count on the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood of just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow But she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed The fist of legend that the car Jet Lee I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting